I am Max Lopez, and this is Beyond the Bindings. Today I'm going to be covering the very first Stephen King novel, which is Carrie. Carrie was first published on April 5th, 1974, and it's preceded by 1975's Salem's Lot, which I covered in episode one. Welcome to episode two. I have a lot to get into today. I'm very excited about this book. It's pretty interesting, it being Stephen King's first novel. There were a few um, short stories that he had put out in different magazines, I believe, before this, but this was his first actual novel. It's actually pretty short in comparison to a lot of King's other work, but there's a lot in this book, and there's a lot to kind of cover as far as themes go that I found pretty interesting. So a lot of us know the Carrie story, or at least like have the imagery of Carrie from the from the original movie that came out in the later 70s. And I've actually never seen either adaptation of Carrie. I know they remade it here um, within the last few years, maybe within the last 10 years at some point. Um, I've never seen either of them. The image of Carrie covered in pig's blood is something that is kind of like stained in my brain, even from my childhood. I don't know if I saw it in a in a documentary about the about horror movies or what it was from, but definitely an image that I've had in my head for a very, very long time. And I bet some of you could probably agree with that as well. So as I've, as I talked about in episode one, I am a huge fan of Stephen King. He's my favorite author and I've read so many of his books. And this is one that I just never got around to. And last year, uh, when quarantine started, actually a little before this, I had uh, before that, I actually had the idea that I think it's time that I, I sit down and I make sure that I read every single one of his books. So books I've already read, I'm rereading books I haven't read, I'm getting around to, Carrie being one of them. I'm about 30 books into this uh, this endeavor, endeavor, and I'm pretty excited about covering all of them, and especially getting back to some of my favorites, like the Dark Tower series, and The Shining, and Doctor Strange. So, not Doctor Strange, sorry, Doctor Sleep. Too much Marvel going on right now. Um, on Disney Plus, I suppose. So, um, when when thinking about Carrie, Carrie is a story about a girl who has TK power, telekinesis, right? So she's able to move objects with her mind. She's able to kind of distort our reality with with her mind and really manipulate her surroundings, which is pretty interesting. And it's pretty interesting when you look at it when you look at these powers given to a character like Carrie, who is constantly put down. So before really even getting into the thick and the plot of the story, I want to talk about something that's kind of always, I've always kind of thought, kind of found interesting with humans. And that is why are humans naturally mean to each other? Why is it natural for us to just be nasty to one another, to find reasons to put others down? And I know that not all of us do it or not all of us do it all the time, but we've all done it at some point. And that's kind of the scary thing about all of this is that it's kind of something that just comes way too naturally to us. And I I wonder if this has to do with like a, a dominance thing, like having to be better than somebody else or having to feel better about yourself. And I'm sure that all plays into it. But when I started thinking about this a little bit more, I started thinking about deep psychological concerns when it comes to putting others down. Are they always bully complexes? 
you know, within within schools nowadays, the word bully is thrown aw- thrown around way too much. What is a bully? Is a bully somebody who just torments you once? Today I decided to be mean and nasty to you. Does that make you a bully? That doesn't make you a bully. What makes you a bully is continuously harassing somebody, putting them down every day until they just feel like they are absolutely in the dirt. But within the bully complex, you have to think, there's usually some underlying reason that this person is is acting this way. Usually it has something to do with maybe they're being bullied at home. Maybe they're being bullied by somebody else. So it's a way to take out their aggression on other people that are easier targets for them. Now, what I really think about is, is this how it always works? Is there always going to be the bully complex where that bully is being treated terribly by somebody else or are some people just naturally to put it bluntly assholes is that how it is are there some people that are just naturally nasty no rhyme or reason they're given everything they want or can need in the world but for some reason they still treat other people like absolute crap i am curious about this And to really dive into this, I don't think it's really possible because I think that's a part of human nature that people cut off and they shut you out of because it's embarrassing. It's hard to talk about those things. It's very personal. Do you really want to tell others about how, you know, your parents at home treat you like crap or your brother and sister are really nasty to you? I'm not sure that's something you really want to talk about. So I I don't know if as a collective social group, if we can really get to the bottom of this issue besides the fact that maybe we can start being more conscious of it and start looking at, maybe I'm not that person, but in those times where I'm in that mood where I'm going to be nasty to somebody or where you're going to be nasty to somebody, stop and think and be more reflective about how you treat each other because I think this is a major theme in this story. And that brings me to Carrie. Now, at the beginning of Carrie, there is this absolutely frightening And not frightening in the typical scary horror sense, but frightening in the sense of how people can treat each other. And Carrie is a somewhat unattractive person. She's not the popular kid in school. She's kind of like the outcast, the loner. And there is a locker room scene. And locker room scenes never typically go well in stories such as this. And Carrie ends up having her period for the first time. And she didn't know what that was because of her mother. Her mother never taught her these things. And the girls in the locker room use this as a way to torment Carrie. And at this point, all of these collective girls start taunting her and yelling her name and and throwing tampons at her. Imagine what that could do to somebody. But then you think to yourself, within the context of this, are all of these people in this situation, if this were to really happen, would all of these people be these mean bullies? Or is there some sort of crowd psychology that will also play into tormenting others? Well, if you're not tormenting her, well, then maybe you're taking her side and then maybe you're a target, right? I'm not sure that that's the way to really look at a situation like this. How can we go about realizing when crowd psychology is needed, like in in the instance of there's a fire, 
and you need to evacuate a place. And when psych crowd psychology is really doing us some pretty good harm, which is an example in this scene in the story. Now within this, um, the gym teacher, Miss DeJardin, ends up coming in and kind of helping carry out, or trying at least, all after some serious telekinesis issues had happened, things started shaking, um, uh, pieces of the locker room started falling from the ceiling, and uh, people didn't really know exactly what was going on, and Carrie was aware of her abilities, and, but obviously nobody else was. So, later you find out that Carrie goes home, and she tells her mom what had happened, and you find out that her mom had kept this part of the female anatomy out of Carrie's knowledge, mainly having to do with religious beliefs. And the psychology between Carrie and her mother plays a very interesting role in this story because her mother is very, very religious, like to the book religious. Um, I don't believe he actually blatantly says, but it kind of seems like Catholicism or, or some form of Christianity like that. Um, she definitely believes in God and Jesus and um, those sort of that sort of religious background. So, but she believes it to a T, and uh, even to the point where there is a very interesting story about Carrie's birth and how Carrie's mother actually gave birth to her herself. Nobody was involved in it. Um, there's no doctor or anything like that, which is, it's almost like this uh, Virgin Mary kind of story of, um, besides the fact that Carrie had a father and everything like that, but this kind of almost like, it was like a biblical story about this like almost magic event where Carrie, uh, where Carrie is born without any help. Her mother was able to give birth with no assistance, which, you know, I don't have any children. I've never been around. I've never seen a birth or anything like that. Um, but I would assume that's not something very easily done by oneself. So I found that very interesting and somewhat relating to in a biblical sense. So within the story, Carrie kind of struggles with this, these issues between her mom, these issues stemming from really her past in school, but kind of a culminating to that issue in the locker room and just how she's kind of tormented by, by her peers at school and just kind of looked at as just like, oh, that girl, she's weird, right? Or she's strange or she's different. And this kind of all stems from a character named Chris Hargensen, who is another female character in the story. She would be considered the antagonist because she is the person who starts all this tormenting within the locker room. Now, Chris is an interesting character because from what you see, she doesn't necessarily come from some background where she is actually treated really negatively. She seems to more come from this spoiled brat kind of background where everything's just been handed to her. And because of that, if you're not like me, well, then I don't like you because you're different. And she views Carrie in this very same way. Now, she ends up getting in trouble by the school and suspended from prom and all of this. So she holds a grudge with Carrie because of this. Although Carrie literally had nothing to do with her actually getting in trouble. Carrie wasn't that kind of girl. She wouldn't, if no teacher would have seen this situation, I don't believe that Carrie would have even brought it up to anybody because that just wasn't who Carrie was. Now, Chris ends up being suspended and then she, like I had said, she holds this grudge with Carrie and then she devises this whole plan to 
to basically ruin Carrie for good. And that culminates at the end. And so she brings on her significant other, whose name is Billy Nolan, into the plan. And he's the one who actually comes up with this absolutely horrible idea to, um, to, to bring Carrie to the prom and then have her um, win the prom queen and prom king. And which ends up being pretty interesting just because she kind of goes along with it more than you would think she was. She is a little suspicious, but at the same time, they get a specific boy to ask her to the prom. So it kind of makes sense that she he's not necessarily, he doesn't really know what's about to happen. So it makes sense that she kind of goes along with it. So King writes this in a very interesting style where you get these point of view chapters which are mixed with like inner monologue specifically of Carrie and then later on and throughout also of Sue Snell who is a character who is friends with Chris Harginson. So when the POV is through Carrie you're really seeing some of this negativity that her life is how her life is brought down by this negativity through her mom through the kids at school and her mom plays this huge role in this. Her mom's name is Margaret White. And like I had said, her mom is this very religious person. And so when Carrie comes home from school that day after getting her first period, she's in trouble for that happening. And she's holding a grudge with her mom because her mom never told her this, these things. Carrie's 17 at this point, so this would be pretty late for this to happen in, in her life. Her mom had not told her any of this, and her mom punishes her. Her mom locks her in a closet and makes her pray for hours and hours until she gets to the point where she has to beg to come out, which is, which really brings in this thought of she's not just getting tormented at school, but the reason she is how she is is because she's tormented at home, because she's kicked down at home. And you start to think that you bring in this this thought about your own life of, you know, when you are, when you do have those accidental moments or purposeful moments of being nasty to somebody, you really need to think like, what is their life like? We don't know everybody's background. We don't, we don't know where everybody comes from. They could come from a perfectly normal home or they could go home every night to absolute shit and not want to go home and have to live in just absolute what's the best way to put this just live in negativity to live in a world where you just don't feel good enough and and imagine having that and that causing you to be this loner this outsider and then when you go to school because you are that person you're just put on more you're just shit on more by the rest of the world which is you could see how it could it could build in somebody and really really kind of take its toll so it's really interesting to look at the, that theme in this story and say I need to be more conscious of how I look at people and how I treat people because I don't know their background. I'm going to go ahead and hope that they have a perfectly happy background, but you don't know that and you can never set that as fact. So these POV styles are very interesting. You get it from Carrie and you get it from Sue Snell. Not as much with Sue, but with Carrie through the POV, that's where he kind of brings the telekinesis into it and showing her abilities. 
and everything like that, which is pretty cool. I'm not going to get too into the book like usual just because I don't want to ruin it for everybody. There is some really good stuff, and I just really want to cover how the writing style is, some of the main themes like I've talked about so far, far, and then some of the notable characters as well. So along with these POV styles, one of the most interesting parts of how this book was written is those chapters are intermingled with these almost like case studies or personal reflective accounts of people who actually experience the climax of the story at prom. So like the whole time you're getting a separate detailed story from people who have already experienced the climax, which is kind of interesting because you don't know if you you go into it completely blind, you don't know exactly what's going to happen at the end, but you're being told the story as if as if it had already happened and that there is some knowledge of Carrie's telekinesis and everything like that. So you get it through reflective accounts. Like I've said, Sue Snells is the main one because there's a lot of regret um, with Sue. And then towards the end, once the actual events start happening within the main storyline, you start getting court, um, court investigations and reports and interviews from different characters that were involved in the town which is really pretty interesting. Now, some notable characters that I found in the story, Carrie White being obviously the number one, her abilities are shown um, quite a bit. You see how the telekinesis can actually be really scary and how other people in this town saw it and didn't really know what it was and how it would often come from like really dramatic moments with her mom or really dramatic moments within school and eventually culminating to the climax of the story. Chris Hargensen, kind of like the 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 bully for no good reason, the spoiled Brad who's just who who feels like everything's kind of owed to her in the world. And then you have Margaret White, Carrie's mother, who is just has this distorted view of the world. If you don't see the world through her eyes, then you're seeing it the wrong way. And you should not just uh not only are you wrong, but you should pay for that. You should pay for not seeing it in her way. And unfortunately, although Carrie tries, Carrie suffers from this throughout the entire story and seemingly throughout Carrie's entire life, which really makes you feel for the girl and and makes you kind of not know how to feel at the end of the story, especially after you see what happens. You're like, wow, I, I, I mean, she's protagonist yeah and then the climax happens and you're like well the, the 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 script gets flipped and you have a different opinion kind of but you see where she came from and you're almost still on her side which is is really interesting i'd like to hear other people's opinion on this if you decide to read the book now a character that i really want to touch on that probably might be the most disturbing because you on you know this kind of person is Sue Snell. Now Sue Snell was in the locker room at the beginning of the book and she participates in the torment towards Carrie. And she regrets it immediately. She takes her punishment but she regrets it. But she sets up the whole experience that Chris kind of kind of lays out for her to have Sue's boyfriend who I believe his name was Tom ask Carrie out to the prom. So Sue kind of knows what's going to go on, but she doesn't know exactly um, what Chris's plans are. 
And Chris doesn't really know her plans either, especially because her boyfriend, Billy, kind of comes up with the main plans. But so the interesting part of Sue is because within her point of view chapters in the story, when she's still a teenager, she's remorseful of it. And she feels really bad about what happened to Carrie. But at the same time, she makes these decisions that you're not so sure, like, what her intentions are. Is she still trying to fit in with the crowd? Or is she, or is she really, like, want Carrie to feel better? Now, simultaneously, when you're getting her reflective accounts from her adulthood, it's almost like a, a tell-all story. Like, chapters from her tell-all um, which I don't know why she would write a tell-all if it was a, completely about this, because she all overall is not a very interesting person um, besides her, her relations with the, the events of, of the, the Carrie story. But at, at one point, and this is all after the fact, she has already gone through the climax of the story on a personal level. She's writing her, her reflective tell-all. She no longer feels remorseful. She even says almost those exact words that she doesn't feel bad about what they what had happened to Carrie. And what I kind I find so horrible about that, it really makes me not like her as a character, in a good way, not like her, like because she's she doesn't have good intentions. She only felt bad because for selfish reasons. She didn't want to look like that nasty person. She didn't care about how what how it really affected Carrie. At the end of the day, she made it seem like that. But what you see when she's an adult, she looks at what Carrie does at the end of the story and then completely thinks that it's that that what happened was completely Carrie, Carrie's fault and that this wasn't something that built up in Carrie's mind and eventually just kind of exploded on the entire town. And she doesn't regret it anymore. She she makes a statement that she's not remorseful at all. Along with Sue, a character that I, I kind of feel for a little bit more um, is Miss Desjardin. D-E-S-J-R-D-I-N. Uh, I think Desjardin is how you would say it. I kind of feel bad for this teacher because she was really just trying to do her best. And, and I get that it's hard to know, um, especially she's a younger teacher, like, how do you deal with these these social situations um, amongst boys and girls? They're being nasty to each other, and they just can't understand, you know, why you don't treat people like that. So I felt for her, but at the same time, I, I think that she could have been a little bit more socially conscious and aware of how to address this with Carrie, because she almost kind of just brushes it off and doesn't really, like, have a conversation with Carrie but to be honest nobody really has a conversation with Carrie they put her down her mother tells her what to do and why she's wrong and and this girl is shit on the entire story and you know I try to avoid uh avoid swearing as much as possible but I really can't think of a better way to put it this girl is just shit on and she eventually ends up not taking it and pushing back and Really, that kind of brings me to the end of everything I want to say here. And I just I just want everybody to think about when we're talking to people and just let's try and be more conscious of, of everybody's feelings. And you don't need to pry in their life and ask like, oh, are you going through a hard time? Just assume that nobody wants that. We don't need to be nasty with each other. If we continue to treat people like this, nothing is ever going to get better. Nothing is ever going to change. If we want the world to 
to be a better place, we need to start on the inside and look at how we treat other people. And if we can't do that, then we have so many problems and we have such a long way to go. And we already have a long way to go. So let's just do everybody a favor and start being more self-aware about how we look at each other and how we talk to each other. And I really think that we can start making some progress that humans have never really made before. So thank you guys all for listening. Next week, I will be covering the brand new Stephen King book later. It is a hard crime story, and I'm very, very excited to cover it. I will officially be done with Stephen King for at least a little while after this um, after this next episode because I don't want this podcast to turn into a Stephen King podcast, although it would be pretty cool. Um, I think I'm going to take a break, maybe read some, uh, some other stories that would be kind of uh, a complete script flip just to see uh see where we can go from there so thank you all for listening i'm max lopez and this is beyond the bodies